You are tuned in to The Tea Side, a podcast where we talk total health, life lessons, and music. I'm your host, licensed therapist, doula, and music enthusiast, Tanya D. Now let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of The Tea Side Podcast with me, your host, Tanya D. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you are returning, welcome back. Today, I have a very special guest with me. This young man reached out to me to talk about his book, The Black Traveler's Guide to Daegu. He lives in South Korea. He used to live in Daegu. He's moved. So I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. His name is Phil. And Phil, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you got to Korea? Sure. Uh, so I got by the Blue Explorer from South Carolina. Uh, so it was back in uh, my last semester of college around fall 2015. And like all seniors do, you send out resumes, try to find an interview, can't land nothing. And then one day I'm a university job board. I saw the ad about teaching English in South Korea. So I decided to give it a shot and I've been here ever since. I've been here since May 2016. Okay. And before we get into the book, because I got a lot of questions, um, sure. how are you doing? How have things been there and how are things now with the new strain of COVID? Uh, it's been crazy, but I'm doing a lot better. Now I uh, started a new job back in March and it's in the countryside away from the big city in South Korea, like Seoul, the capital. So it's not uh, so it's not as um, stressed out as much. It will be if I stay mm-hmm. in the capital area. Okay. Like I said, I've got a lot of questions, but sure. Um, first, I want to know how did it, or did it take you a while to get acclimated? And do you speak Korean, or is it something? Uh, was that something you learned in school? Well, no, me personally, I don't speak Korean. I, I need to start studying. Like, I've been telling myself this, but I'm so lazy. <laughs> uh, no, I never learned Korean. Uh, I'm just trying to learn how to read Korean. Now, learning how to read Korean is easier. Mm-hmm. You just trying to speak it is more difficult. Okay. Um, now, of course, like, any, like anybody, like when you go live from one country, then you go from your home country to live in another country, it takes a lot of time to get used to it. Especially when you go from a homogenization where everybody looks the same, especially when it comes to Asia. Like everybody's tend to be more light on the lighter skin tone. Mm-hmm. So of course, me, my dark skin, my height, uh, I stand out hard than anybody else. So it takes a while to get used to. Okay, I read a lot of stuff in the book, but mm-hmm. just for my listeners, let me go back. Where is Korea? Because I have a lot of friends who do travel, so yeah. we like to explore different places. So, where in the world is Korea? Yeah, so Korea is located in the Korean Peninsula. Uh, you look where China is. You can look on the east side of China, uh, and then you'll see a little. I guess I guess just kind of like a tail end of it, and where's like where North Korea, South Korea is. They also, uh, if, or you can look from Japan. And if you go to the bottom left part of Japan and head straight left, go left, then you'll find Korea. Okay. Because you guys should take a ferry or uh, for an hour, 40 minute plane ride from Busan, South Korea to, J- to Japan. From, okay. Uh, to Fukuoka. 
To where? To Fuku uh, Fukuoka, Fukuoka, Japan. Okay. As I said, I told you before, the book is a very easy read and it's laid out very well. I really oh, loved you. all the colorful pictures. It's a really beautiful city, country. I was actually surprised at how beautiful it is because I love scenery and all of the right. mountainsides and grasslands. And you talked about mm -hmm. people hiking a lot. So it's just a really beautiful place. Um, and even if you're not a black person, the book is very helpful if you decide to travel to Korea, just because it covers everything from travel requirements um, to get to Korea, places to visit. It even has pictures on the menus and recommended places to go, as well as helpful phone numbers, which was really cool. Um, I actually downloaded the uh, original book, uh, Black Traveler's Guide to, is it in? Inchon? Inchon, Inchon, yeah. Okay. And I didn't read all of it, but this one has stories from other Black people who live in Daegu and their experiences. So, right. yeah. And like I said, so you actually have a series called the Black Traveler's Guide series. And so, probably, man, then it's becoming a series. I don't know. It's a series. We'll claim it. So, yeah. <laughs> what made you write a book and more specifically a traveler's guide book? Uh, really is more of when you look at the travel space, right? We look at YouTube, TV shows, uh, Instagram, most of the travel content creators are usually from a white perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And usually, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good content creators too out there who I, who I follow and I enjoy. But the problem is, at least when it comes to African-Americans, we don't really travel as much. Uh, let me ask you this before I continue. Um, how, now, you personally, growing up, how many do you know any black people that traveled traveled or lived abroad that wasn't military? Growing up, no. Now, yes. Yes. But growing up, no. I'm in St. Louis and yeah. the furthest I went was south to visit family. Right. Mississippi, Arkansas, you know, Memphis, down that way. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah we, we didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I think other African-Americans probably feel in the same boat, too. And fun fact, every almost every Black podcast I talked to asked about this, most of them said, no, same, had the same answer. It mm -hmm. was mostly because uh, maybe, like I said, you the family trip down south, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, the only time they knew someone who'd done traveling was usually because they're military, more often than not. Uh, and for me... I saw the demand for this type of content, especially like during the late 2000s. See, you've seen a lot more black travel content creators, like YouTubers, like mm -hmm. Instagram pages and stuff like that, Facebook travel groups, which is great. That's awesome. And also, it was more of, I kind of stopped, I decided to start complaining and wishing I hoping, like, why can't some big company make a black travel guy for black people? It's more like, I was just doing my damn stuff. Nobody else is going to do it. Very true. Very true. And it's more authentic. It's one of those scenarios where it's like, we just got to say, you know what? I'll just get out of my way. I'll just do my damn stuff. Move. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, kind of complaining about it. It's like, why not do something about it? And these two books, Inchon and Daegu, is more of kind of like a test drive to see if there was, if people like this type of content. Okay. So far, there's been positive feedback. Uh, I wish to translate more into sales, of course. But again, just more, as long as people know about it. Mm -hmm. And you know, people enjoy it. Even also, both from Black uh, readers, who are my main demographic. 
mm-hmm. and also from non-black readers too. I heard from both of them too. Okay. Like said, people seem like they like the easy how it's easy to read, and it makes you feel that anybody can read up and use it in the future. Yeah, it's it was so easy to read, and I think part of the you know, like I said, it's really colorful, but that's because of the things in the city like the i don't know what those are chicken statue whatever those things are those like it was somebody they had the little birds they were dabbing i don't know like in the city so but they're all really colorful it was just really cool so like i said the book lays out everything but for my listeners can you tell us what is the weather like there do they experience all the seasons yeah, this yeah. So Korea experienced all the seasons. Um, it does get cold, especially if you, particularly if you're going to the northern part of Korea, uh, like Seoul and whatnot. You'll get you definitely feel the cold. Like when I was living in Incheon, the area where I was, they had this lake that froze over like during um, oh. winter. Yeah, during the winter of this year too. And uh, Daegu, while nice, it's also notorious being one. Now Korea gets very humid in the summer. So it has that southern heat, that southern humidity. So, but Daegu is a lot worse because it's nowhere near the coast. So you're surrounded by mountains. So, bit, so mm. all that heat gets kind of trapped inside the city. Okay. So I do put a caution in the book, like when it comes to hiking, like if you want to go hiking Daegu, Daegu is, I say go for it. But if you're coming in the summertime, you're going to take, must take massive precautions so you don't get the heat stroke. Oh, okay. So does that give you a feel of home? Of the South Carolina heat, yeah, it does, <clears throat> and of course, cause my electricity bill to go up too because the AC. <laughs> that was another question I have. What is the cost of living there? Uh, <clears throat> so cost of living in general can be it's a little bit cheaper, but of course, um, depends on what city you go to. Obviously, if you stay in the capital, bigger cities, it's gonna cost more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I kind of focus on more Incheon and Daegu instead of the capital big cities because mm-hmm. one, I wanted to stand out a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, with these books, and two, uh, Seoul and Busan, the second largest city, they're already oversaturated, particularly Seoul, because everybody is written about Seoul to, to death. So I feel like there's no challenge, there's no thrill to it if I'm writing mm-hmm. about something that everyone's been talked about to death, everybody's done it, so there's no point. Right. So I figure, you know, let me go ahead and write about these other cities that nobody really talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, get, they do get talked about, but it's not the first city people think of when they think of South Korea. So, no, I yeah. have and, never heard of Daegu. Yeah, exactly. And also, I'm a little bit biased because I used to live in Daegu from 2018 to 2019 for a year. And mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite cities I lived in in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, just for people who are traveling, what is the currency? What is it called, first of all? And what is the exchange rate? Uh, so it's called the South Korean won, W-O-N, won. And usually if you get for $1, you get maybe get stressed, depending on the day, of course, because you know, exchange rates vary between the days. Mm-hmm. Mostly you'll see about $1.30, you will say. Some, sometimes, sometimes, you know, like most currencies, sometimes one currency can be stronger than the other, depending on the day, of course. But okay. um, it'll still be fine. Now, I did note in the book, like, when it comes to buying goods, you know, daily goods, food, whatnot, you should be fine. But electronics tend to be a lot more expensive in Korea than it is mm. over in 
in America. Really? Yeah. As expensive so as they are here. Trying, yeah. So if you're thinking about trying to go buy a Samsung smartphone or LG, yeah, no, you're going to pay a lot more money here than you would wow. back in the U.S. Hmm. Interesting. What is the cost of living is, or is it easier in the smaller city where you are and more expensive, yeah. like everywhere else in Seoul? Uh, no, it's definitely, honestly, the more, for you go away from the bigger cities, the more cost of living tends to get a little bit cheaper. Uh, like me, for example, this year I moved to, from Incheon to a small country town called Uljin on the East Coast. And now, it's how do you spell that? I guess <laughs> U-L-J-I-N. Okay. U-L-J-I-N, yeah. And it's definitely a lot more cheaper because, you know, against the country town. And also, um, I noticed my utility bills seem to be a lot more cheaper because, it's been powered by most of pretty much the, power, the energy comes from the um, nuclear power plant they have in this town too. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, now most of the power in South Korea comes from coal. Now they have done try to add more green energy, you know, wind turbines <clears throat> and uh, solar panels, but and they're trying to you know to steer away from uh, coal, but you know it's still there. So I noticed compared like usually, especially in winter time, uh, obviously it gets a lot more expensive. So Okay, and so what is the housing situation like? Because I know it's very crowded mm-hmm. in Korea and you know, China, and I guess more so in Asian countries, they're more populated. Well, yeah, yes and no. Uh, mostly again, that's usually the largest, especially Seoul, because that's 20, 25 million people live there in Seoul. Oh, wow. Um, so it does, you still feel the crowdness. Um, and so of course, in exchange, you get bad air pollution. So you can see that too. Mm. Um, Daegu's not so bad, especially when you go more out from the bigger city, from the metro downtown area to, uh, which leads to more rural side of Daegu, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So it's not so bad. Um, apartment wise, they have a weird rental system. Like, usually, say, for, I don't know, we'll say, like, a two-bedroom apartment, like, a deposit, we'll say, what, costs, how much is the deposit, like, on average for, for a single person, we'll say? Uh, in, deposit, uh, in Lewis. I don't know, because I've been in my house for 15 years, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's not going to help. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I know an apartment, a very, very cheap one, will cost probably about $700, so. Yeah, usually they have this weird system where, like, called johnson so basically you pay because usually most places like for an apartment you'll pay like what a thousand two thousand maybe for a deposit right mm-hmm. so it is for one person right um uh, and usually the deposit will be about three that we'll say about in u.s dollars we'll say like close to like three to eight thousand dollars mm. so it's wow. like buying a house in a sense or yeah. a condo sounds like it Okay. But of course, the more you pay into the deposit, the less you pay in rent. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Now it's a weird system, but um, now foreigners, we can get our own apartments if we want to, mm-hmm. but it's just a, it's a complicated process, and you also got to find a landlord who doesn't mind renting to foreigners. So that's usually a bigger challenge. Really? Okay. So you post a lot of reels and things like that. Um. Yeah. And even in the book, you talk about taxis and 
trains and buses. So what is the preferred mode of transportation? Is it generally public transportation? Uh, public transportation. Uh, Korea is a small country, too. So mm-hmm. getting around is not, it's really not difficult, really. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, people have some people do it by their own cars, of course, like anybody else, like everybody else in the world. Um, but of course, like when you live in a big city, when you live in a big city, like say New York, right? You rather just take the train because it's easier and mm-hmm. much cheaper to have a car. Okay. Let me see. What else do I have? Now, here's a, the sticking point for me. Yeah. The food. Honestly, it's just more so because I don't like trying new foods, but mm-hmm. you even have pictures of food in the book and they actually are yeah. really colorful too. They look really good, but you know, along with the menus and tell you what to get and you tell how to order and you know, mm-hmm. to talk, you talk about the allergies. So is there a lot of seafood? I think you talked about nuts yeah. like because they use sesame seed oil and things like yeah. that and seafood yeah so and not just a South Korea but a lot of Asian countries um right one thing you'll know in the many Asian countries use seeds nuts tree nuts um definitely seafood too creating no different and a lot of soups some do use like seafood stock they use like shellfish and the soups like so one thing I do know, like, if you do have food allergies, you will struggle, especially when it comes to, like, tree nuts, seeds, mm-hmm. and tree uh, food, too. Uh, it, it just always, that's how they use, that's how they ferment the food, how they cook the dishes. So it's not something you can, if you have a food allergy, like, even if you have, like, one of those um, allergy cards that you can buy mm-hmm. online, right, that's translated, even if you do that, I wouldn't risk it because, again, there's a high chance of cross-contamination. Yeah, and I know you talked about in the book that they don't have a lot of allergies, so yeah. that's not something that's really important to them. Yeah, so. it's not. I mean, it's common. Like, like for me, for example, recently, um, this year in 2021, I was doing a talk about a lesson of food, right? And I was asking my kids, hey, I'm going to bring something because we, my fifth grade class, because we we're talking about um, expressing how this, how food tastes like sweet, salty, spicy, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and to be cautious, they said, hey, I asked them, who has food allergies and only th- like five out of 60 of my students have food allergies oh wow it's just not common okay yeah, so that so and i remember the, um there's one foreign girl a sister a black girl who came up to the school temporarily to work at the summer camp thing they were doing and i know she was kind of being picky about what she's eating i'm like and i asked her did she have any food allergies she said yeah like tree nuts and seeds so there's oh, something wow. she's just going to eat. Yeah. Now, it is pos- it's possible to travel to, to Asia if you have food allergies, but your food options will be very limited to either McDonald's or uh, Airbnb cooking. That's about it. Okay. You know what? I'd be okay with that. Although I don't really eat McDonald's, but, yeah. but I'm familiar I mean, with that. McDonald's in another country, right? Not. They have different menus. Right. Although I have found that food in other countries, even though it's the same, it tastes different. So, yeah, I'm. But, you know, because I'm older, I remember a time when people didn't have allergies. You know, everybody had peanut butter and celery as a snack. You know, whether you liked it or not, you had it, you know, and now all of a sudden all these kids 
or allergic to peanuts. You can't, I'm like, man, so you can't even take snacks to school. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It's so clearly it's something in the food and what they're doing. Yeah, it gives all the food. It's really for a bit, especially in the West, like, that's how we, pro- we put all those processed and chemicals in the food. Mm-hmm. That's what causing a lot more. That's why you see a lot more kids coming with these food allergies. Like you said, growing up with me, like I barely heard of anybody, any kids going, you know, I'm a 90s kid, like 91, 1991. So I barely heard of anyone having food allergies growing up. That's what part of my recollection. But yeah. yeah, you're right. You see more and more people having food allergies. It's like, it shows you that American food, like they're trying to kill us, really. Right. So let me ask you a little bit about your students what is the school and the education system like you said you take English as a second language but you said you have like you posted today you all made ice cream so are you teaching a lot of different subjects and you're just teaching in English or do you have specific segment that you talk Mm -hmm. about that Excuse me. Um, no, I just I'm primarily focused on ESL, English as a second language. That's what my that's what I'm here for. Okay. Um, and the reason I did so for those, so we're pretty much at the end of our spring semester, spring 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know how you do in most schools, you just on the last few days of school, you just barely, you don't do anything. Gotcha. And so for a while, I promised them to have like we're gonna do a little ice cream pour as a reward to pay. I kind of made like a team battle game like to the class to see, okay, if this class gets the most points, I'll throw, I keep bringing more ice cream than the other classes. Okay. But unfortunately, because of, you know, you know what's going to happen, what's happening in the world right now, and uh, and the change of time, like last minute changes, I couldn't do what I wanted to do originally, so. Okay. So I kind of keep it short, and I wanted to bring all the kids together, but couldn't risk it, so. Mm-hmm. So are they all fifth graders? Is, do you teach fifth grade? Yeah. Uh, well, so I teach at an elementary school in Ilgen. So I teach uh, both from third grade to fifth grade. Okay. And so is that a required subject in, in school uh, yeah. English? Yes. So from, uh, for, yeah, for public schools, yes, it is required for students to learn to have English uh, classes, private schools. Nutrition private schools, uh, maybe I'm not sure sure about them how they work. Okay. Uh, and also in Korea, particularly, most students learn English from a young age. You know, they go to like you know kindergarten daycare, and then afterwards they'll probably go and go to after school English academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on the family, of course, because not often because you know English academy at school like those they cost a lot of money. Okay. So now you might get afford to go to to take take the kids there. Okay. So now let me just switch it and -hmm. just talk about you being a black man in Korea. Like you said, you're tall. You're six seven. I I think you. I don't know if you said it on here, but I know it's in the book. So yes, a very tall black man in Korea. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you stand out. So how has it been? you know, not just getting acclimated, but have you noticed a lot of racism or different things like that? Uh, yes. Yeah. So for those who know, okay, so context for the listeners. So uh, when I was going, so it's no secret really when it comes to ESL in Asia, particularly like in China, especially in China and Korea, 
there's definitely gonna be more of a preference for a white teacher. Mm. Uh, so it's because for some reason they think, fortunately in Korea, they do believe heavily in stereotypes about everyone, everybody, all the cultures. Mm. So when you think, yeah, so when you think of black people, they automatically think a black person is either a rapper or um, uh, rapper, basketball player, something like that. Despite um, the, if, even if the black person is not from America, but they're from like Africa or the Caribbean. Um, and then, you know, in terms of teaching, like when it comes to finding an English teaching job, mm-hmm. there's still going to be that preference of trying to get a white girl, especially a white girl from America or Canada, because uh, mm. that's what they think people think when it comes to English, right? And yeah. Man. And now, true story, I remember back in 2019, summer 2019, my contract's come to a close and I was trying to find another job. And one of my recruiter, recruiter I was working with, um, he just should have told me, like, tell me, hey man, I'm having a hard time finding, finding you a spot because uh, most of the schools I, I sent my resume to, he told me that they don't want to hire, they want to hire a white person for a, for a teacher. Hmm. I mean, wow. my feelings were hurt, but it's like, okay, at least you told me, at least you're honest. Very true. But that's crazy that here we face, you know, it's been built up that white people are superior. And even there, they think white people are superior. Not not so much. I mean, mean, they're still like that. They have, that's who they prefer though. Yeah. At least in Asia. um, Now, Asia is pretty homogenous. So xenophobia. So white people face discrimination for the first time and start complaining on Facebook and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> no true story. i remember a true story um this happened this year too i think around march uh the seoul capital region uh there was an outbreak i think i like, factory of a bunch of foreigners and so the government acquired all the um all expats all foreigners in the region to in the in the area to go get tested right mm-hmm. and of course all the foreigners particularly white people started complaining oh this is xenophobia this is discrimination and all the black people were joking, like, oh, this is your first time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So now some of them, yeah, for some of them, uh, they come and create thinking, oh, it's gonna be a magical adventure. But then when they get face when they hear when they face xenophobia, it's like, oh my God, I've been discriminated against. This is not right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what do you think we've been and of course all of us, you and me, and every black brown person was like, Yeah, no shit, right? Right. Sucks, right, but no. Yeah. Um, now going back to the story about the uh, the outbreak. So they, so the Korean government had the foreigners go get tested, stand in line. Now, which I totally understand why they did it, but at the same time, the problem was it was so last minute, and there mm. were like a very few locations where people could go get tested. So as okay. you can imagine, people there's a lot massive long lines, wait times too. Okay. Uh, so, of course, people were concerned, understandably, because there's a high chance somebody could have, has COVID, you catch COVID from that line. Good point. Um, now, I do, I mentioned in both books that when it comes to traveling in Asia, all foreigners get stared at. Everybody, even white people get stared at. But those with a dark complexion or unique haircuts, usually for black people, for instance, we're going to get more looks than a white person ever does. That was another question I had. Are there a lot of different races and ethnicities there? Like yeah. here, you see, you know, there are a lot of Asian people, Hispanic cultures and things like that. So what about there? Uh, I mean, you see them, but it's not as big. 
I was like, mm-hmm. as America, we're going to settle the first game. Korea is homogenous. Everybody looks the same. So it's like 90, 93% of population is all ethnically Korean. Okay. Uh, you do see other backgrounds, but usually, again, they usually stay in the big, in the capital city, in the Seoul, Busan, some Daegu. But again, it's mostly in the big, larger cities where you'll see them. Okay. Um, not just, you know, your typical Americans, Canadians, British, UK folk. Uh, you also got some people from Central, uh, Central Asia, you know, Uzbekistan's. Um, you got some African people too, as well. But again, these they typically prefer saying Seoul. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense because again, most people have heard of those places. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I watch a lot of TV and movies. Although I have not seen this one yet, it's on my mm-hmm. list. The last train to Busan. I had no idea where Busan was. I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah, it's in Korea. Oh, you've seen it. it. A really good I'm movie, sure, though. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen it. If you, you saw Black Panther, they were in Busan. So okay. You saw the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Korean thing that that was in Busan. Okay. Like I said, you had stories from other people, other Black people, and their experience. Were these people you knew or you just happened to come across them and was like, hey, let me interview you for my book? Uh, most of them I knew. Others I reached out into, like, for the Black Expat group. He happened to create on Facebook. Okay. Uh, so I asked around, hey, I need some volunteers if you want to tell your story. And the reason I decided to do that was I wanted to show uh, readers that, yes, some People, as you probably know, they have like similar experiences. Others are going to be a little bit different. But I want to show that other different groups of different Black people who live mm-hmm. in Korea throughout, not, not, not specifically live in Daegu, but just live in other countries, right? Other parts mm-hmm. of the country. And ex- let them tell their story. Let them see what they go through. Because okay. I felt like, okay, my stories, yeah, they're fun and all. They're fine. But again, I think it's best to have some, like say, a sister from New York maybe tell the story or a uh, black man from the UK and tell the story too. Right. And uh, one, one of my good friends, Brandon, who did the translation work in the book too, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, is in, he did the Q&A t- section too. And he lived in Daegu too at the time. Yeah, it was very interesting to hear and or rather read their stories. And I don't remember the whole situation, but somebody said that they got yelled at, but I don't know what they said because it was in Korean. You actually wrote that part, what they said in Korean. I was like, okay, I don't know what he said, but apparently yeah. it wasn't very nice, whatever it was. So yeah, that was really interesting just to hear their perspectives. But at the very end, you give some tips on traveling. And I've watched just because I'm curious like that. And I always want to know something. I've watched on YouTube places you can go or how to act when you go to these countries, some do's and don'ts, but yeah, it was a couple of them that were really interested. And it was one, it was kind of funny, but not at the same time. You said mm-hmm. never use red ink to write a name. Red ink is used to write a dead person's name at a funeral. And your students screamed at you for writing their names with the red marker. <laughs> yeah, it was by, by accident. <laughs> but I was still like, I think it was like a roll call thing. Yeah. That was, I'm like, oh, interesting. Red is specifically for dead people and yeah. don't write in red ink. 
And generally in school, teachers here, they'll mark your paper in red if it's wrong yep. or, you know, different things like that. But um, the one, you said it was be careful if anyone from a religious organization comes up to you, they are most likely part of a cult and, and will yeah. try to recruit you. I'm like, oh, oh my, okay. Yeah, Korea has definitely a ma major cult problem. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, and some of them are like, tend to be quote-unquote Christians, but the problem is uh, some of them can be so large that like a small church can be part of a network of a larger cult. Wow. And in some cases, um, there been those. I think there was a vice, it was a vice agent who talked about this. There was a video about this too. They they recently came out. I gotta look at the name up. But um, but yeah, and some cases they'll go undercover, like they'll try to infiltrate other churches to recruit other people from said church to bring them to their cult. Oh my. Yeah. That's scary. Okay. Exactly. So and so how did you find that out? Was that something that you learned firsthand or you just uh, heard about? It was years later when I heard about it and then maybe watched videos on it, YouTube and stuff. But yeah, it's like, and yeah, so I was like, yeah, no, I'm stay away from churches. Like, it was just not, nothing crazy, nothing serious happening. I'm just not going to touch it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And you had a lot of different ones talking about, um, touching people and you know when you hand somebody something you use both hands as a sign of respect but yeah in general don't touch people like don't put your hand on somebody's shoulder different yeah, yeah. things like that so like interesting okay yeah i would say one thing when it comes to travel i say this different house different rules that's what mm -hmm. that's what i say like this when you go traveling like Leave all the American pride bullshit there at the gate, man. It's just not worth it because, again, you think, yes, it doesn't matter who you are because you're American. Nah, you don't get a pass. Like, if you act like a fool, you're going to get a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. I saw we that. Um, yeah, we may understand the culture. We may understand the traditions and norms. But, again, that's how they do things. They're not going to mm -hmm. change it. So go with the flow. Just do what you told. Don't cause any trouble, you'll be fine. Yeah, because you said that the laws are designed to protect Korean citizens. So yeah. even if the Korean was at fault and yeah. there were multiple eyewitnesses, you will lose yeah. and most likely face charges. So yes, it has to happen. Like, even in cases where like a Korean man, I, I read a story about I remember this I think about a year or two ago about a story. A white guy, he's shopping, I guess, at a grocery store with his wife, Korean wife. And some Korean men just start yelling and assaulting him and whatnot, despite witnesses saying, and in some cases, stories like those, I think he got off on the Korean, the foreigner, the white guy got off okay, I think. But in some cases, uh, Koreans will pull that ZM for bullshit and will side with the Korean, even if, again, even if it's the Korean's fault. Like, say, when it comes to car accidents, traffic car accidents, uh, they'll try to fall, sometimes they'll fall they'll sign with the Korean, even though it was his fault because he was drinking and doing bullshit. Mm -hmm. and even, especially for women, you gotta be really careful. I'm not trying to be scary, but unfortunately, uh, I've seen stories about uh, Korean men assaulting and sometimes, you know, our word of Korean women, and they get 
like a slap on the wrist, like a few years. You mean raping time. women, yeah. sexually assaulting, assaulting them? Yeah. Hmm. In some okay. cases, most cases, they'll be like a few years, a couple years in, in prison, and then they'll be back out. Okay. But yeah, so, no, you just agree. Now, foreign. I know most most foreign women say they feel safer in Korea because they walk at home late at night. But again, you still want to use precaution. Hmm. Okay. So, and it was a, another one. You said that um, when you're on public transportation, and yeah. I don't know, I guess it's for the buses and trains, um, that you aren't supposed to sit on the colored seats because they're reserved right. for the elderly, pregnant women, and those with injuries or disabilities. Um, right. And I, I looked at one of the pictures and the seats were blue. So are they specially colored seats that you would know? Uh, yeah, usually, yeah, yeah, usually, for example, like they'll put a sign behind the chair mm-hmm. or uh, you'll see like an actual little legit colored seat, like odd color out, odd ball, out one out type of seat. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So this is on, on the subways too now. Uh, so it won't be like a big like secret, like oh, and so you'll embarrass, you'll embarrass. You'll see the sign. Okay, whether you can read it or not, you'll know that. Yeah, there'll be a picture of a pregnant woman, elderly person, so you'll see the picture and also the words too. So okay, and so now this is just for me because, as you can sure. see, I'm a curly girl. Yeah, yeah. Do they have products for black people out there? Mm, no. Not in the stores, no. Now there are. I know there's one black woman who has her own, I guess, black hair store, like online retail store. So there's that. Okay. I'm not sure she has an offline site, so maybe I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't give you hope. So like, if especially for curly <laughs> hair, something like you, just bring your own products. Gotcha. Okay. And you were talking about shopping, uh, buying yeah. clothes. For you and like the shirt you have on, it says, "Yeah, I'm tall." I don't know what the rest of it says. Because yeah, yeah, I'm tall. Thanks for letting me know. Oh, but pretty much out there, it's hard for you to find clothes if you're not yeah, I just small and thin. Yeah, yeah. It just in the cold in me Asian culture, it's all looking about, especially for women, looking mm-hmm. slim and thin. Especially for men, uh, yeah, you may see most of your dudes, but that's common. So it gets mm-hmm. more like looking slim, like you're looking like you're thin. Okay. That's so again, if you don't fit that norm, uh, just talking about it for the big people, big folk, we're big and tall, some to height and or weight. Yeah, don't just talking about going, going shopping. Like yeah, there are H and M. There's an H and M store in Daegu, you know, around the country in Seoul. But again, it's just just not with the hassle. Yeah, because you said even you wear a size 13 shoe, and even in stores like Nike and things like that, you couldn't even find shoes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just I import my shoes from Amazon. Just save me time. It's just uh, it's really not worth the hassle. Okay, and because I'm into music, what yeah. is? Do they have a lot of festivals and concerts there pre-COVID? Yeah, pre-COVID. Okay. Yes, there will be many festivals, concerts, music festivals, concert. Uh, speaking of Daegu, speaking of festivals, they do have the famous Daegu Chimic Festival, a fried chicken and beer music festival in Daegu. Uh, usually happens around July, around this time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back in 2019. It was I went on the last day, and mm-hmm. it was a week long music festival. So you get 
I'll eat really a lot of fried chicken, lots of Korean street foods and dishes, and you'll have a great time. Okay. What do you do for fun before I let you go? Downtime wise, uh, usually I'll go exercise, cooking. I recently got cooking and baking. Thanks, COVID. Because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Need something to do. Um, reading, writing occasionally, taking pictures. Uh, I just got into live streaming too. Okay. Um, on IG Live. And yeah, I usually play games too. Okay. Yeah, you have been going live quite a bit. And it's cool because I get to travel without being able to travel because I no, love yeah. traveling. And right. that's been one of the hardest parts of COVID, not yes, being same. able to travel or go to concerts. Same. Same. It's been rough. And I, yeah, I was going to do this big travel um, live stream in Daegu. I wanted to do it this weekend, but unfortunately, because of the, the case numbers are really too high right now. So it's just not too risk, kind of risky at the moment to, you know. Okay. So for now, I'm just going to lay low. Okay. So, well, of yes. course, I mean, I'll do a live stream this weekend, but uh, at different in my town right now. But uh, I will do a big, I will announce a big one late a later day. Okay. Because I think I voted to see the zoo just yeah, because yeah. I've I've read the book. So I've seen kind of the market area and things like that. I was like, yeah, yeah. I want to see what their zoo looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will do that. But for now, uh, as you am sure everyone can understand, COVID numbers a little too high over here. So gotta, I got to lay low for a while. Understandable. More important to be safe and healthy. Exactly. I know it's late where you are, so yeah. I won't keep you. But since I do have a theme song for every episode. Yeah. And I let the guests pick the song. So what is your song for today? Uh, I guess number one spot for Ludacris. You know what? I like that choice because you did a, I don't know. I, yeah, I look at so much stuff. I don't know if you did a video and you were talking I about did. your book. You said you coming for the number one spot with your book. I, I like it. I like that. So I do know you can get the book. You can download it. Is it in a hard cover version uh, or is it just on Kindle? Just it's a just e-book e-book. Yes. Okay, and it's $9.99. It's not expensive. And like I said, it has a lot of great information, a lot of pictures, and it the pictures are labeled, so you really know what the spot is. So even if you're traveling, you can look up a particular place, and it tells you, like I said, how to order food and all of that. So it's definitely a great read. I believe the Black Traveler's Guide to Inchon is yeah. $6.99. Um, yes, that's right. And so it's not expensive. You should definitely download it, check it out. So where can they find you? What are your socials? Yeah, you can find my Instagram at the Blur Explorer, Blurred, B-L-E-R-D underscore Explore. Uh, both books, Black Child's Guide to Inchon, Inchon, I-N-C-H-E-O-N, and Black, Black Child's Guide to Daegu, D-A-E-G-U. They're available on Amazon right now in ebook formats only. Okay, and I'll put a link to the page in, yeah. or to the Amazon page in my description, so people can just go there and get the book if they choose to. Well, uh-huh. 
you know, I'm not sure how you found me, but I appreciate you reaching out. And I appreciate you doing this interview. So we can help you get to the number one spot with your book. Tell your friends, tell your family. Yeah, with your book series, because like I said, I'm claiming it. So do you plan to travel to other places? Uh, Yes, I definitely post COVID, of course. Um, I'm actually looking... I'm actually considering make the first country I go to. I'm just gonna write about making travel guide for that country okay. or a city where I go to when it's safe to travel, of course. Okay, that'll be fun. Well, it's Friday for you, so you have a good weekend and you have a good night. Thank you for talking with us, and I will see you on Instagram. All right, y'all have a good one now. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Teesside Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the Teesside Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of the episodes. And be sure to tell a friend about the show. Until next time.